We welcome each of you to this hour of worship, and we're glad that you're here with us, especially if you're a visitor today. We're always delighted that you uh, would choose to be with us in worship and hope that you will choose to come on uh, future occasions to worship with us, unless you're Presbyterian, in which case you will be predestined to be with us on those Sundays. But however you get here, we're glad that you are here. I have uh, several announcements here for today. Attention children, the children's choir and the Bible lesson and the kids in mission resumes meeting tonight. And that starts at 5.30 and goes till 7 p.m. So we uh, remind our children of this. The leisure committee invites anyone who plans to play softball this coming season to a kickoff breakfast in the social hall this coming Saturday, February the 27th at 9 a.m. Please plan to join us for food and fellowship and discuss the new regulations. You just throw the ball and hit the ball. What regulations? But we'll find out, right? Uh, but that's this coming Saturday morning. We have uh, a word from Kevin Duncan regarding the um, I want to say friendly hearts. That's not right. The dinner we had last uh, in the auction. Yeah, you can tell them what it is. Good morning. Just want to give you all an update on the cheerful hearts <laughs> midwinter dinner that we had Sunday night. Um, again, as a part of the cross training class, thanks for everyone that came out and enjoyed the night of uh, fun and fellowship and food. Uh, we definitely want to thank the local businesses that donated um, for the silent and live auctions and to the members that uh, gave donations as well. Those were fantastic. Um, as you know, that night, uh, the live and silent auction, the proceeds of the dinner were going to uh, partly to the Greer Community Ministries and also to our church's budget. Um, we had a fantastic night and we're thankful to say that after all the expenses were paid, um, we netted that night $3,728.40. Um, that way we're going to cut a check for $728.40 to the Greer Community Ministries. And we're also going to cut a check for $3,000 to Memorial and the church budget. So again, thanks for everybody coming out. If you didn't make it this year, we hope to see you next year. And again, thanks for your support of this community and our church. We really appreciate it. Thanks. You know, I don't think that I have been in but one church before that had such an active young adult group as we have here with the cross-training Sunday school class. We uh, usually are missing that age group because um, uh, they have other things that they're doing until they have a, a child and don't know what to do with the child. So that's when they come back to church, you know. But uh, this is such a wonderfully active group of uh, young adults and we certainly appreciate their contributions to the leadership of this church. And uh, that says some good things about many years to come. We're very grateful for that. Our thoughts and prayers continue to be with the Dobson family uh, at the time of Clyde's passing, uh, one who was uh, in this church for many, many years of his 89 years um, of his life. So we uh, certainly will miss him. Also want to report to you that we're missing um, John Jameson from the choir today. John's in the hospital.
over at a local hospital with uh, pneumonia that they suspect might be swine flu, H1N1. <clears throat> so um, I went in to see him yesterday and, and he said that the pneumonia was on his right side and he and I agreed that in his case it probably was the very far right side of his lungs. And uh, he said he also had a, he may have cracked a rib. He, he has uh, a pain on the left and I said he would for about three more years. But anyway, we pray for his quick and soon recovery uh, from this, uh, this pneumonia. Let us now worship God.
Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. Amen. <clears throat>
This time we invite the children to come down the side aisles to the front to join Sylvia Dobson <coughs> for a few moments of sharing. and girls. I'm so glad to see you all this morning. I have a story that I'm going to tell you about today and it's about a little boy named Christopher and I hope you'll enjoy my story but the first thing I want to do is talk about the Bible verse we're going to use. What book do I have here? The Holy Bible. That's exactly right and if we open up our Holy Bible to about in the middle of our Bible we're going to find the book of Psalms. It's right in the middle of our Bible. And the Bible verse that I want to read to you today comes from Psalms chapter 121, verses 1 and 2. And it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Okay, so we lift up our eyes to the hills because we know that our help comes from Lord, the Lord, our Jesus Christ and our Savior. Okay, let me show you. This is Christopher. I brought some things to help tell my story. This is Christopher, okay? And the little story that we're going to read today is about Christopher. You want to hold Christopher for me? Okay. When I talk about Christopher, you can raise him up, okay? Put that right there. Okay. And I have somebody else here I want to show you. This is a friend of Christopher's family. Okay? You want to hold her? Okay. All right. Many years ago, a family friend of Christopher's shared her favorite tidbit of wisdom with Christopher, who was a five-year-old boy. Okay, kind of around the ages some of you all are now. Okay, good job. All right, and this is what, her, her, what she told him. She said, when in doubt, look up. And he would immediately look up in the sky, and she would smile, and she'd say, that's right, Christopher. She said, if you're ever in doubt about what to do, just look up. The answer always comes when we remember to ask our Father in heaven. So she was telling him when he had a problem to look up, and looking up would make him think about Jesus Christ, our Savior, and to ask Jesus for help. Okay, I have somebody else in here now. This is Christopher's mom, okay? Who wants to hold Christopher's mom? Okay, there you go. All right, a few weeks later, Christopher's mom took him to the county fair. Oh, and they had the best time. They rode all the rides. They visited the pens of all the farm animals, and they petted the ones that they were allowed to pet. And then they finished off their day by eating cotton candy, and it was a great day. They were a little bit sunburned, and they were very tired at the end of the day when they made their way back to the parking lot. Okay, Christopher's mom reached into her pocketbook, and she dug all around for her car keys. Has your mom ever reached into her pocketbook to dig around for the car keys? And does it sometimes seem to take her forever to find her car keys? Okay, something terrible happened this day because Christopher's mom dug around in her pocketbook and she dug around in her pocketbook and she couldn't find her car keys. What do you think had happened? She lost them. 
She had lost them, okay. That's a possibility. Someone stole them, okay. She left them in the car. Okay, let's see what happens in her story. After a few minutes of searching around, she looked into her cars, and there her keys were still in the ignition, but all the car doors were locked. Oh, no, she groaned. We're locked out of the car. Now what? When in doubt, look up, Christopher said. Not now, honey, she said. I've got to figure out what to do. Mommy, when in doubt, look up, Christopher repeated. Okay, honey, she sighed. You're right. Let's pray. And she took Christopher's little hand into her own hand, and this is what she said. She said, Lord, we're stranded here at the fairgrounds. Please help us find a solution to our problem. Amen. Just then, they heard a loud noise overhead. Guess what it was? A plane. A plane, that's right. It was a plane pulling a banner advertising a locksmith. She quickly wrote down the number. Let's go find a payphone, she said. Okay, who knows what a locksmith is? Does anybody know what a locksmith is? What's a locksmith? You're right. That's exactly right. A locksmith is a person who makes or repairs locks and keys. Okay, so she called this number, and she paid this locksmith to come out and get into her car for her. He was able to unlock her car and get into her car for her so that she could get her keys and drive them home. And that's exactly what happened. A few hours later, they were back in their car, headed home. And Mom looked in her rearview mirror at Christopher buckled into his car seat, sound asleep. And she said a prayer of thanks for this little boy whose simple faith had led her to just the right answer. He had remembered what the friend told him to look up, and that would help him remember God and to ask God for help. We're going to say a prayer now, and I want you to repeat after me. Lord, may we always remember to look up to you for the answers in our life. Amen. Thank you. Testament lesson is from Deuteronomy chapter 26 verses 1 through 11. When you've entered the land the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving to you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name and say to the priest in office at that time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our forefathers to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. 
Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, My father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptian Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, putting us to hard labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us, brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. With great terror and with miraculous signs and wonders, he brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, O Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. And you and the Levites and the aliens among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. Here ends the lesson. Our responsive reading is Psalm 91 on page 810 in your hymnal. I invite you to turn to that page as we share this passage together responsively. Those who dwell in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God and my trust. For the Lord will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence and will cover you with his pinions. Under the Lord's wings you will find refuge. God's faithfulness is a shield and bumper. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the wickedness of the wicked. Because you've made the Lord your refuge, the most high your habitation. No evil shall befall you, no scourge shall be For God will give his angels charge over you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up on their hands, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because they cleave to me in love, I will deliver them. I will protect them. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. I will satisfy them with long life and show them my salvation.
Our epistle reading is from Romans chapter 10, verses 8b through 11. The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith we're proclaiming, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Here ends the lesson.
because of the special time of year, the season of Lent is we incorporate a prayer of confession um, into our worship service, especially during this season of the year. And so I invite you to turn in your bulletin to the prayer that is printed there and join with me as we together confess our sin to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, your blessed Son was led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan. Come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. And as you know the weakness of each of us, let each one find you mighty to save. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Let us continue in prayer. <clears throat> We are grateful, Lord, for this season of the Christian year that reminds us to be in a state of repentance, looking over our lives with a willingness to make change and to grow into the likeness of Christ. And so we do begin by confessing to you what you know and we know so well that we are creatures who can be tempted and often we fail those tests and then we have to come back to you again and again praying for forgiveness. How grateful we are, Lord, that we find in you an inexhaustible source of forgiveness and strength. And you not only forgive us and forget, but you also give us strength so that we might grow and overcome our weaknesses. And we are thankful for this. We're thankful for being born again and for being growing people again, that as we experience new birth in Christ, we might always also experience new growth in Christ, especially during this season when we remember how Jesus saw the road ahead which led to Jerusalem and to a cruel death. But nevertheless, he kept his sights upon your will. So we pray that you would help us during this season to focus our lives upon you and the direction you would have us to go that we might follow you and be faithful to you. We are thankful, Lord, for the fact that Jesus was and is made like we are, that he came in human flesh, that he understands what it is like to be tempted in every way. It is wonderful to know that we have one who understands us seated there in highest heaven. But we also are glad to know that we can look to Jesus and see how he was able to be victorious in life. And we pray, Lord, that you might help us to also be victorious in our Christian lives. Lord, we remember our friends in special times of need this day. We remember that some folks are experiencing grief and loss and loneliness. And we pray for these, our dear friends. We know that others are suffering from poor health and need your touch of healing grace this day. 
We know that there are others in times of discouragement, others in times of hopelessness, those in t others in times of, of deep concerns about where their next meal will come, come from. We bring all of these concerns to you, Lord, knowing that you will meet all these needs, but also saying to you, here we are, Lord, send us. We will be your hands and feet. We will go to our brothers and sisters as you send us that we might be your blessings to them. For we pray in the name of Jesus as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving.
Here now our gospel reading from Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you give you their authority and splendor for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Here ends the lesson. I really don't know why we are shocked. A day doesn't go by that we don't hear about another elected official who has been caught stealing, dealing drugs, or being unfaithful to his or her spouse. Recently we've heard about Union County and Spartanburg County, as well as too much about a former candidate for the presidency and a governor of a certain southern state. We've also heard about some highly respected religious leaders who have been found to have skeletons in their closets, an evangelical male pastor of a huge mega church is accused of having a boyfriend and using drugs, and priests are accused of inappropriate behavior with children. Again, I say I'm not sure why we ought to be shocked because deep down we all know that we're all sinners who given the right set of circumstances or the wrong set of circumstances might fall to all kinds of uh, temptation. Some of us who think that we are without sin may have just been lucky and not been given the same opportunities as our fallen brethren. You see, we're all made of the same stuff. From dust we have come, and to dust we shall return. Back when I was in seminary and uh, the news of some scandal would break, some of us students would take a bit too much delight when some televangelist or high-profile pastor would uh, fall from grace, as we would call it. But one of my professors, who himself was a great critic of some of those same people, would scold us nevertheless, reminding us that we're all subject to the same weaknesses. And he would say to us that the right attitude we should have is, 
O Lord, not him too, him today, maybe me tomorrow. Well, considering ourselves better than someone else is in itself a sin, isn't it? And maybe we need to be careful about that. But what we hope to find is someone who is not subject to human frailties. That's the one we want to be our pastor or our doctor or our teacher or our elected official. <clears throat> again and again, we fall for the same old trick of believing that we have found that perfect person and again and again, we are disappointed. Our nation's founders well understood this. They knew that no one could be trusted with absolute power and that if you found the best human being on the entire planet but then gave that person too much power, they would soon be changed into a much lesser human being and their flaws would be shown. Therefore, they said the answer was to spread the power of, of government out to as many people as possible. Two men met at a lunch counter of a local cafe and were discussing life and love. There have only been two perfect men who have ever lived, said the first man. Two, replied the second. Don't you mean that there's just been one perfect man, Jesus? And the first man replied, well, him and my wife's first husband. <laughs> well, from the perspective of 2,000 years, we can see the divinity and the perfection of Jesus so very clearly that it is shocking to us when we realize that it was Jesus' perceived imperfections that bothered his peers. He didn't come from the right town to be anybody. He didn't come from the right family. He didn't observe the law of Moses closely enough why he didn't even wash his hands correctly as the law prescribed, and he ate with people that were known criminals and sinners. In the end, Jesus was tried, convicted, and executed having been judged as being far too imperfect to be taken seriously. Of course, we in the 21st century see Jesus in a very different light. We church people have emphasized the divinity of Christ to such a degree that we often fail to see his humanity. The temptation narrative serves the purpose of reminding us that Jesus, during his earthly life, suffered from the same temptations that we have. The difference with Jesus was that he possessed the strength and the wisdom to be able to escape from those temptations. He was tempted in every way, just as we are, the scripture says, and yet he was without sin. Oh no, Lord, not you too. Yes, Jesus too. Like us, Jesus was tempted at a time when he was already in somewhat of a weakened condition. He had spent a very long time fasting and praying about the direction of his ministry, and now he was tired and he was hungry. He had also been wrestling already with temptation, so when the final big three came along, he was weak 
from the smaller struggles. One common theme seems to run through those last three temptations in the wilderness, and that is the theme of power. Jesus, said the tempter, if you really are God's son, use your power and position. Make a loaf of bread right here out of this rock. And let me make you the wealthiest, most powerful person this world has ever known. And here's another idea for you of how you could display your power. Leap down from a tall building in Jerusalem like you were some sort of Superman. Let everybody see it when the angels catch you just before you crash down on the earth. Yes, our nation's founders knew power is a great seducer of human beings. You and I like power. We would love to be in charge of everybody else for just a little while. Not only would we straighten everybody out, we might fatten our own wallets just a little bit while we're at it. By the way, this is the same temptation that tripped up Adam and Eve. They were tempted to become like God, to take their lives out of God's hands and to run their lives their own way. That's the root of our sin as well. We really don't want God to have power over us. We want to have the power and be the lords of our own lives. Like Adam and Eve and everyone else who will fall prey to a lust for power and prestige, we often end up ruining life for ourselves and everyone else. The good folks down in Saluda, South Carolina used to say to me, they had lots of little sayings, but this is one of my favorites. If we had our way in our lives, we would perish ourselves in no time for sure. Above all other things, Jesus was always very careful not to misuse his personal power. Many of the healings that he did were stealth miracles. Nobody saw it except for the recipients and a few others who were close by. And even though Jesus could have called down armies of angels from heaven to rescue him from his enemies, he refused to so use his personal power in ways that would not please God his Father. Now you and I also have personal power. Every day some adults misuse their power when they deal with children and youth. We call that abuse. Spouses verbally and physically abuse their mates. And people work to deny the rights of certain segments of society from time to time. Sometimes we're guilty of giving people unsolicited and unwelcome advice. That's a misuse of our power as well. Now, having adult children is a brand new and fun experience for Penny and me, but it is challenging. It is very difficult for us to find the switch up here in our brains and switch off our parental oversight program that runs all the time and just listen to them as they tell us about their concerns. They're pretty good at telling us when we misuse our power and overstep our bounds. Dad... I don't need you to solve my problem. I just need you to hear it. I'll take care of it. Just listen. I need a friend. Like Jesus, we need to learn to trust in the power of humility and self-sacrifice 
and resist temptations to be seduced by power, wealth, and fame. It is also interesting that Jesus was tempted by his physical needs, his spiritual longings, and his mental reasoning capabilities. First of all, he was physically hungry. Now, very few of us in this room have ever really been close to starving, having gone days without eating. I'm hungry about every five hours. <coughs> How about you? In fact, every day around lunchtime, I get the shakes if I don't get some food. Irritability soon sets in after that, followed by downright crankiness. There's no telling what I would be like, like after 40 days without food. I think I might even be tempted to eat fish, and that's not part of my diet ever. In uh, today's economic climate, we see people all the time who are tempted to steal the basic necessities of life. I see the desperation on people's faces nearly every day when somebody comes by the church office asking for help. There's just no telling how many people we're keeping from falling prey to some temptation by our donations to the soup kitchen and to area charities that take care of the poor. And each of us needs to be aware that when we are suffering from some lacking of our basic needs, we can be ensnared by the tempter. That is a time to take extra care. You really don't want to be around me when I haven't had enough sleep. And some of you are that way as well. Jesus was also tempted on a spiritual level. The devil invited Jesus to switch his allegiance away from God to Satan. Now, worshiping the devil doesn't have to mean praying to that entity or offering him some offerings. Just as the scripture tells us that true expressions of our worship of God includes looking after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep ourselves from being polluted by the world, so the worship of Satan would include ignoring people in their time of need and selfishly living just for ourselves and allowing ourselves to become saturated by hateful attitudes and the sinful activities that are always, always around us. Most of us would cringe at the very thought of bending our knees in the worship of the devil but most of us are tempted to give God our second best, our leftover energies, and our half-hearted worship. Like some folks who are spoken of in the scripture, we follow Jesus from some distance. We may like to be in the Lord's army, but we don't want to be too obvious about it, and so we, we join the Lord's secret service. Jesus was tempted to distance himself from his father, and his father's way of living, and to accomplish his goals by sacrificing his principles and taking sinful shortcuts toward his goals. Jesus also encountered temptation in the mind, mental level temptations. Being tripped up by logic may be one of those temptations that have come our way relatively recently in human history when we began using our brain more than we use our brawn. But have you ever noticed that something that is very logical to you isn't quite as logical to someone else, like your wife, 
or your husband, as the case may be. Not all of our brains work the same way, nor do we see things from the same perspective. And that's why logical people can argue about so many things. The tempter's logic tried to get Jesus to even misinterpret scripture. What did it mean, Jesus, when the good book said, no harm will befall you, no disaster will come near your tent, for God will command his angels concerning you to guard you in your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. That means that no matter what you do, Jesus, you will be protected. So let's go up to the top of that pinnacle of the temple and take a jump. There have been many people hurt when their logic got so twisted into such a way that even their faith and their holy scripture got used against them. Logic has caused some Christian, sincere Christian people to let their children die rather than to receive medical care. Snake handlers follow some kind of logic. Christians have logically persecuted the Jews, holding all of that race responsible for the actions of just a few in the crucifixion of Jesus. Slavery can even be justified using scripture and logic, as can male dominance over women. I had an elderly couple down in one of my Saluda churches. I'll tell you a lot about Saluda. That was a picturesque little community. But one, this, this elderly couple liked to tell me about some of their neighbors. Those neighbors, they said, spent all day reading the Bible, trying to understand it. After about six months of just doing nothing but eating and reading the Bible, the couple had a nervous breakdown and they're now in a mental institution, the man would say. And then he would always conclude his story by saying, I guess you can do too much of anything, even studying the Bible. Well, not many of us have that problem. But he was right in saying that anything can be misused in our lives, twisted, even scripture. Jesus countered devilish logic with godly wisdom. He knew that while he could surely depend upon God's uh, providential oversight, jumping from the tall building was still not a very good idea. Trying to back God into a corner, forcing him to take some action, is not trusting God. It is testing God. Praying for God's help on a test is a good idea, students, but it won't do you a bit of good if you don't study. Praying for safety while you break the speed limit doesn't make much sense either. Praying for strength to change ourselves when we aren't willing to change the places that we go to or our habits or our friends won't do us very much good either. Oh Lord, not you too. Yes, Jesus too. Jesus was tempted in every way, every day, just as you are. He had to fight off temptations when it attacked him, just as we do. May Jesus, who knows well the weakness of our human flesh, empower us to overcome temptation. Amen. Amen.